Divine favor given with delight, grace given to the undeserving. Hen. Hen is all about the beauties and realities of God, scripture, and the gospel. The goal is to be fluent in all of these things in the everyday experiences of life. Hen, hosted by Deandra, also seeks to touch on practical topics relating to theology, historic Christianity, and the modern day church. Welcome to Hen Podcast. Grace and peace, everyone. Welcome back to Hen Podcast. I pray that you all are doing well. As you already know, I'm your host, Deandra. Um, today we're going to be talking about the Puritans. Who were the Puritans? Why should we look into their lives and into their writings? Um, I'll also be sharing personally why I delight in them. Um, delight in learning about their lives and in their writings, um, reading their books. Um, also, Lord willing, at the end of this episode, I will share some books um, and some Puritans for you to learn about. Um, so first, let's start with who the Puritans actually were. The Puritans were a widespread and diverse group of people who wanted to vigorously pursue purity in worship, walk of life, and every sphere of daily living. They took a stand for this purity in the 16th, 17th, and 18th centuries. Doctrinally, they were Calvinist and they adopted a Reformed theology. While all Puritans were not strict Calvinists, they did align with Reformed theology. Um, the Puritans, they were a very warm and contagious people and they lived life for the glory of God. In their evangelism, they were tender yet aggressive. Um, they loved the church. They, they loved them. Um, their main concerns was the church was being watered down and not maintaining the fullness of scripture. So the fact that they loved the church and the fact that they, these were their main concerns, this gives insight into why they pushed for such purity in doctrine and in worship and in church discipline. All of their life was to the glory of God and they sought to see that in other people's lives. They didn't just want to have correct doctrine. They wanted to have correct doctrine unto life. Um, they were a people that took their doctrine and translated it into a transformed life. It doesn't. It wasn't about pride, knowing the right things. It was about ch- changing your life with that correct doctrine. Um, they didn't just seek for purity in it. They sought to live it out. It was literally doctrine unto life. Um, and I think among Christians, maybe it's ignorance, um, or maybe many of us professing Christians are too caught up in the wonders of this life. And the things of this life, the things of this world. Um, But to be truly happy is to be holy and to live to the glory of God. And that is the testimony and the life of the Puritans. Um, So I want to share how I actually got into the Puritans. Very interesting. I had no idea who they were. I knew slightly about the Reformers. Um, But I didn't really know about the Puritans. I heard some of their names, but... I'm going to share specifically how I actually got into learning about them. Um, So because of the Lord's great work in my heart, I developed a zeal for knowledge about the character of God. Um, And especially and ultimately in how it is shown bodily in Christ. Um, And through this work of of regeneration that God was doing in me, I developed a love for Bible reading. Um, And then I wanted to read books that talked and taught about the character of God and the heart of God, the nature of Christ, the heart of Christ, the person and work of Christ. Um, And I went to my local local Christian bookstore, excuse me, um, and the staff recommendation was a book called Gentle and Lowly. And 
the book was so beautiful like it's if you look it up on google gentle and lonely by dane ortland you'll see exactly the imagery i'm talking about but it had sheep on it and i took interest in that because i know how the bible compares us to sheep so much um and the first thing that was on my mind was john 10 when i picked it up and when i opened it it says that we often we know the story of jesus we know what he has done we know that he has died but what is his heart um can you really say you know somebody if you don't know their heart um and i was like dang i never thought to study about the heart of christ so i bought that book i'm actually still reading it i only have eight chapters left um and i noticed that in this book um he literally has rich theology with scripture but he also quotes several reformers puritans and historic christians um and i've never seen somebody write a book where not only do they have so much scripture but so much of um the writings and knowledge and intellect um of those who ran the race before us um and i really took delight in that i took interest in that um so when i picked up this book the full name is gentle and lowly the heart of christ for sinners and sufferers by dean ortland um the moment I picked it up, the very first chapter, I was weeping because it's such an encouragement. You never think about the heart of Christ. You're always like, oh, Jesus died for me. Um, he lived for me. And sometimes we even forget that he lived for us too. If Jesus didn't live a sinless life, he wouldn't have been able to sin for us. So he also lived for us. But basic on the basic level, we often hear Jesus died for you. Um, he died for your sins so that you can be reconciled to God. But his person and work has done far more than just that, even though that is great. Um, and we thank God for that. He's done far more than that. And then to be able to learn about the very nature and person and work of Christ, the very heart of Christ, because out of the heart of God, out of the heart of Christ, that is why they do what they do. Their heart is who they are. All their attributes is not just singular things. That is who they are, and that is why they saved man, and has and they have done all these things. Um, so I really took delight in this book. It was teaching about the heart of Christ. The words of the book, they almost make you want to go right back through the Gospels, look at every single action of Jesus, and see how that comes from his very heart. A gentle shepherd, a gentle savior. It's a beautiful book. But anyways, I noticed that in this book, like I said, um, he quotes and expounds on tons of scripture, but he also references several of the reformers. Um, and I also saw a few other names that I never heard of. The first name I saw was Thomas Goodwin, um, who wrote The Heart of Christ. He referenced that a lot in the first maybe few chapters or so. Um, and I looked up who Thomas Goodwin was, and I thought he was a writer of today. Um, but I ended up finding out he was back in that 16th, 17th, 18th century. Um, and he was a Puritan who wrote a beautiful treatise on the gracious disposition and tender affection of Christ while in heaven for his sheep who are here on earth. It's called The Heart of Christ in Heaven Towards Sinners on Earth. I've only read the first few pages and it's beautiful i don't know how they got so much from one verse it's like they've studied the bible back and back to front and front to back and they teach people and these people that they're teaching become converted because christ has been made made so appealing and lovely because of how much they glorify god and 
emphasize Christ and glorify Christ in their writings and in their teachings. Absolutely beautiful. Um, so Thomas Goodwin, uh, he was my first interaction with the Puritans. Um, I listened to his sermon also from Dean Ortland um, on the heart of Christ and on this book that he's doing. Um, he was sharing how God's heart, Jesus's heart, is gentle and lowly, according to Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29. That's Jesus's words himself. Um, and then he had a Q&A shortly after that sermon. I was watching it on YouTube. Um, and one person asked a question on which books should they read or what book pure books from the Puritans should they read? And I heard that term before. So I was like, oh, maybe these will be good books um, because Gentle and Lowly is such a wonderful book. I would love to read, you know, people like Thomas Goodwin and some people that um, he reads. And the books that he um, recommended was, I believe, a, an Uplifting for the Downcast by William Bridge, The Bruise Read by Richard Sibbs and a couple others. But The Bruise Read by Richard Sibbs was really what stuck out to me um and when I went to go search for that book so that I could buy it I also saw The Tender Heart by Richard Sibbs um so I actually bought that instead because it was so much more appealing to me um it was talking about how God gives us a tender heart and how we are to preserve it um and he speaks about it in that in that treatise and um yeah honestly it has changed everything i'm gonna talk about it in a second but yeah um so i'm currently reading this book s still so in the tender heart richard sibbs he writes a treatise on second chronicles chapter 34 verses 26 through 27 um and he writes how god gives us a tender humble and responsible heart through the gospel of jesus christ by new birth he expounds on why a tender heart is necessary for christians and how we maintain it it is a very beautiful book. Um, Richard Sibbs, he's known as a heart doctor and one who is honey-mouthed. Um, he's called a heavenly physician um, or heavenly doctor. Um, but it's because he preached the beauty of Christ and the gospel. He didn't seek to change people's behavior, but rather get to their heart. Um, and we know that that is the root of the sin problem. It's not just sin itself. We need a new heart. We need a whole entire new nature because we can't stop sinning unless we are recreated and that's why it's so important that we are born again um but god is the one who wills that and decrees that and makes it happen not anything that we do um and a lot of people think that i'm not going to get too doctrinal um and theological but a lot of people think that you have faith and then you're born again but it actually comes before your faith because it says it's impossible for the flesh to please god um no man seeks for god in and of itself um we are completely opposed to God and an enemy of God, children of wrath, sons of disobedience, following our master, which is sin and Satan. Um, there's absolutely no way you are living in that and you just suddenly decide to live for God. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> God has rebirthed you um, and made you spiritually alive so that when you hear the gospel, you are able to receive it through the word he regenerates us um, and, and, and enables us to receive it. Um, but yeah, this book, I have it in front of me. Um, I'm kind of sad because I only have a few pages left. It's 65 pages, but I'm on page 52. Um, but this book is beautiful. It talks about how Christ, he's given us a tender heart through new birth. 
um, and how we are to preserve that. It's also very convicting because a lot of people think the Puritans just teach so much about the loveliness of God and the loveliness of Christ, and they do, but they also talk about keeping ourselves from things that so easily entangle us, such as sin, such as hypocrisy, um, cutting deep into the soul, but Christ is made so glorified and made so huge that it's not unto despair when they are convicting you. Um, and there is a specific quote in this that I wanted to share. Um, let me see if I could find it. It's such a beautiful book. It actually might be in the forward. And that's the best thing about this book. This book has a forward by Michael Reeves. Um, and I know him and Joel Beakey um, speak a lot of the Puritans and... I honestly, I thought Thomas Goodwin and John Bunyan were going to be my favorites, and they kind of are. Um, but Richard Sibbs, we, <laughs> but here's the quote it says, Tenderness of heart is wrought by an apprehension of the tenderness and love in Christ. A soft heart is made soft by the blood of Christ. So it's saying how a soft heart, a tender heart, or tenderness of heart is wrought in us by an understanding of the tenderness and love that is in Jesus. And our hearts are made soft by his blood, the gospel, the person and work of Christ, the knowledge of Christ, the beauty and glory of Christ. That is, that's what gives us tenderness of heart. Um, and yeah, it's just a beautiful book. So that would be the first book recommendation, even though I'm supposed to hold it to the end. But I just had to talk about that real quick. But anyways... Um, so in Gentle and Lowly, Dane also talks about the intercession of Christ, which is by John Bunyan. Um, he quotes it multiple times. Um, but I also believe it, another name for it is Christ the Complete Savior. Um, after that, shortly, I found The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. This is a well-known, very popular book um, in the Christian community. Um, and it, it is an allegory of the Christian life. And when I saw the movie... I was like, I'm buying this book. And I started reading the book. Beautiful book. Um, I've never seen something written so wisely and so rich in scripture. It's obvious that this man spent his life in the scriptures for him to be able to write that. Um, the movie itself, I've watched it at least 10 times. I'm being so serious when I say that. But yeah, um, Thomas Goodwin, Richard Sibbs, and John Bunyan, they were my first exposure to the Puritans. Um, from there, I began to study their doctrine. I began to study their lives. I began to study their works and read some of their books. Um, and their works, they're just so full of beauty um, and glory unto God. Like, you will not see anything about self in there, about themselves. You will never see anything about themselves from what I've seen so far. I have not seen the word I in anything that they have wrote. Um, and it is beautiful. The only time I've seen I in there is if they're explaining a doctrine. Um, like they're presenting a question or an objection and they'll say, now uh, I will explain this. Now I will answer to this. That's the only time you will see that. But you won't see them talking about themselves or giving a testimony. It is so rich with Christ. It is 
absolutely beautiful um it's amazing <laughs> but yeah um this this is common though um with puritans they never preach or write about themselves everything is about christ it's so astounding i've never seen anything like this in my life um these people these puritans from well over 400 years ago they beautifully preached and they taught and they wrote and lives were changed um people were radically changed people were converted because the preaching of god of the word of god the preaching of christ was being proclaimed um and that's what's so beautiful so yeah dane ortland um who was a present-day pastor at a, a presbyterian church in america um he introduced me to them through his book so if you would like to learn about them um about the puritans more i would recommend the documentary it's called puritan all life to the glory of god it's available on agtv and i believe they have some clips on youtube too but they give like a very nice um explanation on the puritans who they were what they did um i'm telling you as i go throughout the rest of this episode you're gonna see how much um god has used them and how they still impact our lives today um, so why do we need the Puritans? Why should we invest in their treatises? Why should we invest in their writings, their sermons, their biographies? Why should we even care, right? Um, but there's a few reasons. The first being their Christian maturity. These, in the words of J.I. Packer, and I'm paraphrasing, they exemplified maturity. Um, and I believe it's because of their zeal for scripture and actively living it out. Their lives were for the glory of God. They had such a maturity that we don't even have today, um, especially when it came to things like contentment. Um, these people didn't were not well off. These people did not live the best lives. The life expectancy was 30. Um, there was rampant sickness, um, and they didn't even have all that we have with the medicines and being able to take care of things as that nature and slow those things down. No, but yet they still taught about contentment. So their maturity, especially their Christian maturity, ha- is far surpassing ours, and I believe that's why we should invest in that so that we can grow on to maturity um, by looking at their teachings and being so inspired to study the beauty of God, study the beauty of Christ, and grow in the grace and knowledge of him. Um, So also another reason, the Puritans deeply understood human depravity, our depravity. They understood the deep sinfulness of the human heart. They never sought to change anyone's behavior. They never taught behavior modification, but they understood the depravity of the human heart. They believed that only the sovereign grace of God could rescue man. And because of this deep understanding, they planted their feet firmly upon a theology of grace, consistently teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, Another reason, the Puritans knew that their best life was later. They were not living on this earth talking about i'm living my best life right now that is that should not be the testimony of christians <laughs> we're not living our best lives according to the world we know that our best life is in the next life when we are glorified um but the puritans they suffered and they suffered well many of them were martyred um put to death persecuted some were burned alive all because of their advocacy for purity and doctrine and worship and reform of the church back to the scriptures it was the puritans who fought for the bible to be translated into english for everyone to be able to read puritan john elliot he evangelized to the native americans in roxbury massachusetts and he translated 
the Bible into the Agaloquin language for them so that they could understand it and so that he could teach the word of God to them. He learned their language to teach the gospel to them and to teach Christ to them. And this was the first Bible ever printed in America. The English Bible wasn't the first one printed in America. The um the Algonquin one was the first one to be printed in America. So you see their heart and love for people. Um also, while many of the Puritans were put to death at the hands of the Church of England, they knew that heaven was set before them. They didn't seek for ease and luxury. They faced hardship and they struggled, um, but it produced much maturity in them. And they knew that their best life was the next life um, in glorification. Another thing that I delight so much in about the Puritans, they were skilled physicians of the soul. I bet you... If the Puritans still existed today, they would be the best counselors and therapists on earth. I promise you. They rested their counseling approach on scripture. Not methods, not none of that. They rested their counseling approach approach on scriptures. They excelled in biblical counseling. Um, they saw God's word as sufficient for the need of every Christian's life. For every Christian's needs. Um, the Puritans, they rested their... Like I said, they rested it on scripture. In many ways, they were um, excellent. They were an excellent laboratory for studying biblical counseling um, because they weren't influenced by any secular models of psychology. They were only on the Bible. What does that even say about modern day uh, models and secular models of psychology? The Bible is far superior and gives us everything that it is um, that we need. And how do we know that? God is our creator. He knows what we need. Um, in fact, he even breathes breath into us. He knows our lives. Um, so, yeah. But anyways, um, many of those today claiming to be strictly biblical in their counseling approach, they still evidence the heavy influence of people like Maslow or Rogers or Skinner or Ellis in their psych psychological um studies but the puritans um they had the fields of the cure of souls virtually to themselves they had absolutely no secular competition in the area of the counseling the bible is far more superior than any science i'm telling you anyways thus we need to consider very seriously their counseling models and that is from tim keller um when i was listening to him about it while well, reading him about it about the puritans another reason why to study and invest in the puritans they understood contentment in christ was the key to genuine happiness christ was enough for them and that is it makes me so upset like i love to read their stuff because of that very reason and because they glorified christ so much so much christ was enough for them but it makes me sad that today christ is not enough for us christ is not enough for the church to, of today christ is not enough for many of those professing the faith today um, and that's why I love reading the Puritans so greatly because Christ was enough for them and it they put so much glory and they put so they make Christ so big that I'm like, wow, Christ actually is enough and my contentment does come from Christ and my identity is in Christ. They didn't have modern medicine. Many of them were considered poor and the life expectancy was only 30 women often died from childbirth and their children's deaths were high too however they still and often wrote on contentment 
They were able to do this because their eyes and affections were set on eternity. Their eyes and affections, their focus was set on Christ. And that's what the Bible tells us to do. Look at Colossians chapter 3, just the first few verses. Look at Hebrews 12 too. Um, that is our Christian focus, and that is what they did. Um, and one of the very one of the Puritans, um, actually two of the Puritans wrote books on contentment, and they are deeply loved today. Um, the first one is The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs, and The Art of Divine Contentment by Thomas Watson. Also, Thomas Watson is another Puritan I'm learning about right now. But Richard Sibbs is topping everybody right now. But I'm still keep reading about them. Because um, I want to get into people like John Owen and um, Jonathan Edwards and things like that. So why do I delight in the Puritans so much? I'm pretty sure you can tell by after reading all of the by listening to all of this. Um, I delight in the Puritans greatly because of their life's devotion to the glory of God. I have never met a person or seen a person's life be so devoted to the glory of God outside of those that are reformed and the Puritans testimony of that is the greatest one I have ever seen or heard or read about everything was about Christ everything they needed they believed that the word of God was sufficient their maturity far surpassed ours and we can learn greatly from them they devoted their lives to purity in the church and to the gospel of Christ. Christ was enough for them. Their lives, though not great in the eyes of the world, were full of joy and happiness. Why? Because it was found in their Savior. We could learn so much from them and gain so much encouragement for them. So honestly, I encourage you to study the lives of the Puritans. Study their treatises, their books, their doctrine, their works, their theology. Um, and if you need help on where to start or you want to talk about them, please contact me on Instagram. Um, my handle is at Deandra's Faith. It's spelled D-I-O-N-D-R-A um, and then S and then Faith, Deandra's Faith. Um, so I'm going to share some Puritans that I personally enjoy and I'm recommending um, that you learn about. Like I said, um, Thomas Goodwin, Richard Sibbs, John Bunyan. Um, but I also recommend Thomas Watson, John Owen, and Jonathan Edwards because I've been reading some of their stuff as well. Um, I know I will learn about tons more, such as like William Ames, William Bridge, John Eliot, John Cotton, John Flavel, William Perkins, um, John Winthrop, and so many, many more. Um, and some books I recommend for starters, definitely The Tender Heart by Richard Sibbs definitely but also the bruise read by richard sibbs the heart of christ by thomas goodwin a lifting up for the downcast by william bridge the intercession of christ by john bunyan pilgrim's progress by john bunyan grace abounding to the chief of sinners by john bunyan come and welcome to jesus christ by john bunyan the rare jewel of christian contentment by jeremiah burroughs and the art of divine contentment by thomas watson um, also, I think in the last episode, I spoke about my, um, or in the reform, reformed and reforming episode, I spoke about my diary of a reformed bookworm blog. So if you keep up with that, you will find more book reviews as I keep reading. Um, and as time progresses, um, I'll keep reviewing these books by the Puritans and reformers for you to check out. Um, I also have a list of books that are in my queue in my very first blog post, so you can check that out. Um, but the Puritans, all of life to the glory of God, their doctrine unto life, 
living out the doctrine, not just having correct theology, but living it out um, to glorify God. That was their life. Um, They were truly happy, full of joy, because they realized that it was found in Christ. Um, And they understood that living for the glory of God and being holy was true happiness. And that was their testimony. Um, That's why I delight in them. That's why I encourage every Christian to learn about them. And I pray that you all will take the time because it's gonna it's gonna change your perspective about everything I'm telling you. Um, but with that being said, I pray that you all enjoyed this episode. I love you, grace, peace, and love. Mm-hmm.